Welcome to The Healthcare Hangover. I'm one of your hosts, David Contorno. And I'm your other host, Emma Fox. This is a podcast about the headaches we've been encountering in the healthcare system that are leaving us feeling a little hungover. Let's dive in. I know this is an old topic and I know we've we've broached it here and there on a variety of episodes, but I think we need to dedicate an entire episode to GLP-1 weight loss drugs. Yeah, it's certainly a lot of conversation out there. Yeah, well, um, it's come up more for us lately, I think, because we have a couple of employers who really want to cover this drug for weight loss specifically under their self-funded health plan. And for anybody who knows us, most people know that we have very, very, very similar ideals and goals, and we're on the same mission, but we do disagree on some things sometimes. And I think you and I have had to compromise a little bit on this GLP-1 argument, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I the way I see it is it's very long-term. It's not a silver bullet. You still need to do other things that if not done means you have to be on the medicine forever. And if you do have to be in the medicine forever, just from a strictly financial perspective, the employer funding that one to $3,000 a month medication now is probably doing more good financially for that employee's next employer because a lot of the things that come with being overweight are long-term, hypertension, cardiovascular disease. Um, <clears throat> and they typically don't rear their heads until 40s, 50s, 60s. And this one client in particular, their average age employee is like 30-something. We just saw read this mm -hmm. the other day. Um, so you know, I didn't say this, but you intelligently deduced it. But what if we could pair it with something that makes it more successful and less likely to be needed for the whole time? Because it is proving to be highly effective and, and not just, it doesn't just lower your desire to eat. It also slows down the emptying of your stomach, like physically. And so you're not only less hungry on less food, but you stay hungry longer on less food. And it's, it's almost it's almost like the impact of stomach surgery without needing surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's a very uh, non-invasive um, appetite suppressant that normally you would only get from surgery. And the one thing that's bothering me is people claiming that these drugs are new, which is, I mean, some of them are new, don't get me wrong, but the, the formula has been around for a long time. We've been using these drugs to treat diabetes and the other argument that I hear that really pisses me off is that um, we should allow it for diabetic people and not for overweight people. And I'll tell you why it really annoys me because I would argue that many, 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 many people who are diabetic are also overweight. Um, and so by proxy, we're able to tackle two problems. And we have evidence, we have data that shows that this literally cures type 2 diabetes. If somebody loses enough weight and gets healthy enough, they will put their diabetes into remission. So yes, it should be available for folks with diabetes, but I don't understand why it shouldn't be available for people who need to lose weight. And I'll tell you why. You and I both lost a bunch of weight. I lost 150 pounds like six years ago. How much did you lose? About 220, 215. 215. And we had to do it the natural way, I guess, the hard way. Uh, diet, exercise, consistency is really what it is. Diet, exercise, consistency. Um, but I got to tell you, if this was available to me and I could have afforded it back then, I don't know why we wouldn't make it easier. When I see people say that overweight people shouldn't have access to GLP-1s, 
my first question is why you just want them, you want them to lose weight, but you want them to do it hard way. So you'd rather see them suffer. You'd rather say to a fat person and potentially fail, right? You know, do you know what the rate of successful long-term large weight loss is? It's like in the, the, the teens, maybe even the less than teens percent and people who can effectively lose massive amounts of weight, the percentage of people that can maintain that for their life lifetime is just as low. And I got into an argument with someone the other day and I said, do you want to also reverse availability to bariatric surgery? Well, no, no, of course not. Okay. So I don't get it. I don't get it. We're okay with bariatric surgery for very obese people to help them. But we now have this injection that is very much effective and a lot less costly than surgery, but we're saying no. I don't understand. Can you help me understand? Listen, right now, uh, the statistic I read is that it's covered for diabetics in over 70% of plans. It's only covered for non-diabetics in seven, 6.9% of plans. You know, part of it is it being used as a weight loss is new. It's mm-hmm. newer than it being used for diabetes. And so that's part of it. <clears throat> I know there's still a lot of studies going on. Also, a very good thing that's occurring is a lot of competition is coming out. So mm-hmm. What I think is going to happen is, is the, the data is going to come out showing it hopefully as effective as, as early results show. The costs are going to come down and the barriers to getting it are going to be made easier and easier and easier. But you know, let's remember, you and I both know, you don't need health insurance to get this drug. There are other ways of getting it without health insurance. There are, although... I will let let's spill the secrets. First of all, if you are someone who is interested in or is taking Ozempic and it is too costly for you for any reason, whether it's your health plan, deductibles, co-pays, or maybe it's not covered for weight loss and you're paying out of pocket, uh, Ozempic has a patient assistance program that is it is very generous. And so uh, it c- can be a little bit hard to find, but you can potentially qualify for the manufacturers or the patient assistance program for Ozempic. And what that means is if you do qualify for it, um, you can get that drug shipped to your provider, to your physician. They don't ship it to your home. I can't recall why they don't ship it to your home, but um, you can you can potentially get that medication for free. Now, the other ones, Manjaro, um, Wagovi, I don't believe they have uh, MAPs or PAPs, but... Uh, I th- believe both of them are now available for international sourcing. So through uh, certain companies, one of them that we use a lot is RX Manage. Um, you can get those medications for about two thirds of the price. So you know it's not; it's still expensive. Don't get me wrong, but it is not as expensive as getting it just filled through your pharmacy here. Since the the coupon that they used to have that was very uh, generous is no longer out there. Um, so there are ways to get it, but to address the initial concerns that you brought up is that I have heard a lot of physicians say that this is a lifelong medication. If people come off the medication, they're going to regain the weight. Now, full disclosure, I am not a clinician in any sense of the word, but I did lose 150 pounds naturally. You lost hundred or 230 pounds, whatever, naturally. And do you think it's safe to say that we have kept that weight off because we developed habits? Do you think that's true? 
Yeah. I mean, I want to say in 2002, I had weight loss surgery. I lost all that weight and then I gained it back again post-surgery and then I had to lose it on my own. So yeah, I've had to lose it and keep it off. And I still struggle with it. I mean, I still have ups and downs and good days and bad days. And, you know, generally I'm keeping it okay, but I'm not doing all I want to do. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's the habits that I taught myself that built up over time, that became routine, that became lifestyle that I still fall back on today when I'm having a rough day or a rough week. And I'll, I'll just be completely transparent. I uh, developed an eating disorder when I started losing weight. So I went from 300 pounds down to 140, went into bodybuilding, got obsessed with body fat reduction, blew up my metabolism and developed a binge eating disorder. And so as happy as I am to be of normal weight, I have other things that I now have to deal with as a result of that. But I, in the last few years, have managed to find this maintenance point, this set point by leaning back onto those habits that I learned. And here's my theory. Again, not a clinician, <laughs> but I think that if I can lose 150 pounds by, um, by developing good habits, then couldn't we run a program much the same parallel to these injectables just to get people started. And that's exactly what I did. That's what I built for, for our employers. And I, I'm interested to see, we're doing a 12 month program where if you are prescribed these medications for weight loss, the plan will approve it for just 12 months, but only if you are also enrolled in a mandatory nutritional and uh, fitness and lifestyle program. We're actually using a company called BioCoach. Um, and at the end of 12 months, the medication is no longer covered. And the hope is that you got your little head start, you got your little cheat sheet, whatever you want to call it. But for 12 months, you were held accountable to developing these good habits and you should be able to keep the weight off. That's my theory anyway. Yeah, I think it's a great theory and I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. We're tracking it very closely. Um, it doesn't get paid for if you're not diabetic, if you don't engage in the program. And the idea mm -hmm. is if you do engage in the program for 12 months, you might not need it after 12 months. We'll reevaluate right. clinically, but that's the hope. So we'll see if we can set up a program where the GLPs are for 12 months only and people still stay healthy and don't re-become a diabetic or gain diabetes, some sort of diabetes diagnosis. That's a program that should be pretty well received by employers across the country. Mm -hmm. Well, and listen, I know there's been some studies out. Uh, Al Lewis did some studies that are, I don't want to say they're anti-GLP-1, sorry, Al, mm -hmm. but they do make a case for these drugs not being a financial, I don't know how to put it, like a good financial decision for self-funded employers. Is that kind of the point? Yeah, that that for the actual people, it helps and what it saves, it costs a lot more to get there than it does to save it. Yeah. And I know, listen, he is one of the experts when it comes to uh, reviewing data. I mean, the the guy uh, founded Validation Institute, for goodness sake. But um, I just, I feel like there's something in me that disagrees <laughs> as as is good Emma fashion. But I mean, okay, let, let's come at this from another angle. We now are seeing studies come out that these medications, they don't just reduce the food noise, which is a, a legitimate thing, but they're also reducing the cravings people have for other addictions in their lives. There was a study that came out that said that 
People are less likely to over drink if they've had drinking problems before. People are coming off of drug addictions using these medications and uh, binge eating disorder. It's fantastic for binge eating disorder. And again, allows people just some free space mentally to start developing those habits without the crushing noise of, of that food noise, which is a very real thing. You know what that is. And I know what that is because we're former fat people, right? Um, but I think there's a lot more benefit to these drugs. And to your point, if we're curing diabetes and if we are curing all the other comorbidities that come with obesity, surely there is a financial value for that somewhere along the line. Yep. It's just harder to quantify because how can you say we prevented somebody from having a heart attack or an amputation? You know, you really can't measure that. It's just not black and white. You don't know that they would have had it to begin with. You just know that had they continued on the path, the likelihood of them having it was greater. Yeah. So it's, if, the, the, but here's the difference. The one employer that's doing this, I don't think they're doing it for an ROI. They're doing it because no. he feels it's the right thing to do. Now he wants to do it in as fiscally responsible a manner as possible. He wants to do it in as clinically responsible manner as possible, but he's not doing it because he wants to avoid a heart attack financially for someone down the road. He wants to avoid a heart attack for that person's family down the road. Yeah. And I really applaud him for doing that. He is one of the biggest um, innovators in our employer space, I think, that we've seen in years and years and a fantastic guy. And in fact, fun story, he came into this organization uh, just a few years ago and inherited this health plan. And he went out of his way to buy the books that you've been in um, and to really learn about what we're doing. And so often we see new folks coming into employers and they just, they're like, oh, I'm going to bring in my old broker because that's who I'm comfy with. And he didn't do that. He went out of his way to figure out who you were and learn about these plans. And he's so committed to them. Um, And I'm really proud of him. I I won't say his name, but um, yeah, they've been such a, a joy to work with in that regard. And I'm excited to roll out the program. I think, you know, there's there's two options when it comes to this drug. Either it has been made completely unaffordable by the <laughs> special interests because keeping you obese and diabetic is very beneficial for the healthcare system, or they've made it so expensive and you can afford it, which just increases the wealth of <laughs> the companies that are uh, dishing it out to you. Bet you that they knew how to price it such that mm-hmm. the new revenue made by the drug is equal to or greater than whatever downstream reduction in revenue would be created. I'm, I'm telling you, someone put mm-hmm. cal- someone was asked to calculations. If this works the way we say, how much is it going to reduce spend in 10, 20, 30, and 40 years? And how much do we have to charge for that drug now to compensate for that reduction in spend? I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, I don't That's either. I mean... I that's really what's happening, right? If you can afford this drug, you're paying eight fifty to twelve hundred bucks a month if you can afford Manjaro, for example. And so that's lining the pockets of the drug manufacturers. And if you can't afford it or it's not covered, you stay sick, and that's lining the pockets of the health systems and the insurers. Like, and you know, you know, part of what's driving the demand is that because so few plans cover it for weight loss purposes, and because it's so expensive, uh-huh. it's largely being used in the celebrity circles. And you hear Sharon Osbourne and Kim Kardashian, all of them have taken it or are taking it, which makes it seem even more desirous by the general public, which creates mm-hmm. even more of a demand for it. I was really disappointed to see that. Um, Eli Lilly came out with another drug. It's actually, I'm pretty sure it's exactly the same as Manjaro. It's just called Zepbound. Um, 
And I looked it up. I was all excited. I was thinking, oh, they came out with another option that's going to be more more affordable. It's not. It's exactly the same price as Manjaro. And I'm just like, what was the point in that? We already have Manjaro. What? (laughs) I don't get it. I don't understand. But um, there are options. So what I would say is if you're an anti-GLP-1 person, um, I'd really... I'd really encourage you to look at it from a more human perspective as somebody who was very, very overweight my whole life. Yes, I finally did it naturally, but I'm, I'm the exception. I am not the rule. And so are you, I would argue. Um, There are people I know personally that have struggled to lose weight for years and years and years. And sometimes you can do all the right things. I don't see, um, I don't see food addiction any differently than I see any other addiction. And I don't know, you know, there's, there's a drug out for, um, alcoholism. Now Trexone is called, right. It's supposed to reduce your desire to drink, or maybe it's, it reduces your, I don't know what it does. It does something. (laughs) Reduces the impact that alcohol has on you and it reduces your desire to drink. I believe. Yeah. And I don't hear anyone saying we shouldn't give that to alcoholics. Do you? Have you ever heard anyone say, let's not give naltrexone to alcoholics. Let's make them do it themselves. Well, there, I mean, there was a time, by the way, where alcoholics were put into psychiatric hospitals because it was felt to be a psychiatric problem or a willpower problem. And I think weight loss is behind mm-hmm. the times, but I think it's in a similar boat. I think, and I know this will resonate with you, but if you've ever had an addiction or known somebody that has an active addiction, I think you understand that it is not a choice. And people who tell me that you can just, you can just lose weight, you can just stop doing it. Like I want to smack them upside the head. Yeah. I think everybody is addicted to something. I have the luxury of being addicted to multiple things. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) When one addiction gets out of hand, I temper it down and then some other addiction bubbles up somewhere, usually before I notice it. So it's very frustrating. It's like I'm addicted to being addicted. I'm not necessarily addicted to any one particular thing. It's buying things, it's clothes, it's electronics. Do you know what I think is your cutest addiction? Mm. It's sitting, people can't see the video. We just released the audio, but it's sitting right over your shoulder. So funny aside, David is obsessed with garbage trucks. (laughs) It's not the garbage truck per se. It's the the ones that have the arm on the side where the guy doesn't need to get out and it just lifts it up and dumps it and puts it right back. So we get our trash collected every Tuesday. And as soon as he hears the garbage truck, his office on the back side of the house. So he's the farthest away from, from the action, but he'll run by my office and go outside. And he's seen it every week, <laughs> never gets tired of it. And uh, it was his birthday. Gosh, it was a couple of weeks ago now. Um, and <clears throat> me and the kids bought David all this cool stuff, you know, all these gadgets for his birthday. And uh, one of our very, very, very close friends, we went out to dinner for his birthday and they gave him uh, literally a children's <laughs> garbage truck toy. And, and we were at this nice, nice restaurant. He's playing with it right now. We were at this nice restaurant. <laughs> Can you try to press the buttons? <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> um, and he just got it out on the table, like moved all the plates and the silverware out. And he's like, Oh my gosh, big cool. ordeal opening it up. It was not easy to open those stupid things. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, Oh, if I had known like a $25 children's toy would have been sufficient, I could have saved myself <laughs> a lot of money and a lot of shopping. But yeah, um, I liked everything I got. Yeah, I know you did. Um, yeah, I don't know. My my take is I think GLP ones are fantastic so far. We're still waiting to see the evidence, but every physician that I've talked to has been for GLP ones. I haven't run into one yet that's not. Um, 
but yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how this this program works. And if you're an employer out there listening and you're wondering how you can make this work, especially if you're uh, self funded, uh, I got I got a solution for you, and we can we can make it work. Sounds good. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember, there's always a hangover with healthcare. Until next time.